Hello and welcome to Franchise Me. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And this is a show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week we'll talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we'll compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. This week we go on the hunt for horcruxes and spend a lot of time camping as we discuss Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Andrew, hello. How we doing, my friend? Good. Just got back from camping. How was it? Ah, uh, you know, uh, a lot of horcruxes, a lot of uh, <laughs> really boring. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How was, long did you uh, did time. you camp for? Was it uh... two hours and twenty three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, obviously, you know, doing uh, the first part of the last Harry Potter movie, I yes, guess, or the story. Hallows Part One. Yeah, um, really. You know, you know me. This is the one I've been looking forward to this the most. Yeah, you've kind of been promoting this over the last couple yeah. of weeks. I really. Over the years, have kind of become very uh, much a big, a very big fan of this. Mm-hmm. I think how it happened is when I was doing, you know, I mentioned like I was doing, I did a rewatch a couple years ago, sure, and uh, you know, I was reading, watching the movies, reading the books, whatever, and right. and when I started watching the movies and I hadn't gotten near the end yet, I was just like on YouTube looking around to see people talking about the movies and just mm-hmm. the, the series in general, and I found a YouTube video from uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, and I I had watched this stuff before, I liked him, I, I mean, I. Found Followed him. I just had missed the video. Sure. And he made a video claiming that uh, that this was the best Harry Potter movie. Just his mm. personal opinion saying, right. I think this is the best one. So it made me kind of like interested. To, I hadn't gotten there yet, but it made me like, oh, really? Like when I get there, let me really think about that. Mm-hmm. And I... I watched it. I thought he was really right. So it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not, I'm not stealing his idea or anything like that. But like he, he just kind of the idea of like to really think about this movie and reflect on this. And when I got there, I was like, wow, this really is, you know, like I, I always, even when I watch this movie in theaters, I always had an affiliation for it. I always liked it. But like, right. wow, there really is something to me, at least something special about this movie. Right, right, right. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah, so. I can't wait. Look, this is one I, I don't have that same affection for it because um, as I've said, kind of at the beginning of this i haven't seen these back half four movies for um a really long time so this is my first time probably since theaters right probably since theaters like this is my first time really revisiting this i've heard you make the argument before (laughs) obviously like i've heard you make the argument before without even me having seen it so i've had that kind of seeping in my brain for a while so going into this, I definitely went in with more of an open mind this time around. And I remember liking it in theaters. Yeah. I enjoyed it in theaters. Um, but coming around to it now and kind of like, I guess, forming more of an opinion on it um, after all these years, I will say I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. I can see exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It, it is a really just enjoyable watch and could arguably be one of the best Harry Potter movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. do feel that. So I think part of that was your argument though over the years <laughs> really sitting with me and I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something, you know, to, again, to me, special about this movie, and we'll we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, I just I, I remember coming out of there, and I, coming out of the theaters, and 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 even at the time, like I think people liked it, but people were more like I kind of wanted to get to the second part. Mm-hmm. I want to get to the the second part is much more of the the crowd pleaser, you know? What I mean? Right. Like, well, and, and I mean, you know, obviously this is we're not talking about that movie, but we had the same problem when we did the Matrix. When mm-hmm. you talk about a movie that's so closely related to this, that it's very hard to talk about one movie without talking about the right. other, and we're not going to get into the second movie but we're obviously going to mention it but that is definitely the the more crowd-pleasing action movie kind of you know big oh 
setting big pieces. Time. Big and time. Big time. This is everything building to that mm-hmm. and all the emotional aspects of that story thrown into this movie. Right. And there's some emotion in the next movie, but it's all really here and the character development and everything like that. This, this movie does the heavy lifting. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I think that that's why you have a part one, part two story mm-hmm. for this. Yes. And that, I kind of wanted to talk to you about that decision. You know, how do you feel about them doing a part one, part two on this? And do you think that this was kind of the right call for them to make? Or mm-hmm. So I, I've kind of... Um said this over the over the few weeks but i felt like it was the right call because i felt like harry potter earned it i felt like if any series was going to do a two-part finale it should be harry potter yeah they've had six movies where they have dominated the box office every single movie has dominated the box office why not split the final book into two parts it deserves it. Also, there's a really good point I think that you've made is that part one kind of is a different story than part two. Yeah. Not even kind of. It is a different story. Yeah. You need part one to be its own thing because part two is such a fast-paced, action-heavy movie. Yeah. If that was melded into part one or it was just melded as one movie, it was just uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the movie would be a mess. It really yeah. would. And I think we would look back on I think you and I, if we were just talking about one movie, we would probably be sitting here saying this is really messy it's all over the place yeah you need that distinction of a part one and part two and i I think this works perfectly yeah it's i don't i don't think it is possible to do this movie as as one like agreed because we've always and that's kind of one of the things that we're going to be talking about that we've always talked about doing this series Mm -hmm. is the changes from the book and things like that and the decisions that they've made or didn't made and 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 here we're starting to see a lot more like consistency with the book there's a lot of things are similar or as similar as they can be Mm -hmm. from the decisions that they made before obviously we talked about the big one that we're going to get into with the with the mirror it's kind of a a pretty big one that they've kind of been like yeah we're just gonna let it go um (laughs) harry just pulls out a shard of glass what's that from i think but i think that we see that more actually in part two and we'll talk about that more sure sure. you know next week but i think that you know obviously they could have made changes to the story to condense it into Mm -hmm. one but i think that you would be doing a disservice because in my actual opinion even when i read the books like i mean i think it's fine now but like when they announced like like my always my theory was always that like i know she had kind of jk rowan had kind of come out and said oh we're doing seven books we're doing seven years for seven years at hogwarts right Right. well at the end of six they say we're not going back to hogwarts so i actually thought that it was going to be like a trick and it was going to continue until like the out of hogwarts sure and that she was going to write more than like more books right because i didn't think that there was any way that they were going to solve the story that she set up at the end Uh of six uh in one book yeah because it's supposed to be this huge thing Conclusion. Conclusion, yeah. and but also like this, just big hunt for Horcruxes. Yep. And they they kind of get through it in the even in the book pretty quickly for for the the, the problems yes. that they were left yes. with at the end of they, the sixth they book. They found their way pretty quickly. They get through it pretty quickly. Yes. Like they get three Horcruxes in like a day at one yeah. point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody finds three Horcruxes. But I was like, wow, like they're like they could do like a book of Horcrux. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. know, like like they could do more. And obviously that wasn't the plan. I mean, I was also young when that when that happened. Right, right. But I just was like, oh, I kind of thought that they were going to go that way. So I think if they condensed this in the one movie, that would be it would be doing a big disservice because they would really be rushing through absolutely, absolutely. this hunt 
fight for Horcruxes and here doing a part one, part two, you can feel like the frustration and the anger and the actual weight of the, the mission that they're on. The journey. The journey that yeah. they are on. Whereas if this was one movie, there'd be no wedding, probably. You, you'd you get very quickly like the seven hairy sequence. You'd probably get maybe five minutes of, of the Grimworld place. Yeah. And it would just be a lot. It would be it would set piece after through, set piece after set piece. It would be, be flying through Horcruxes. Yeah, there'd be no emotional, no time for any emotional things yep. to breathe or wait. Like mm-hmm. there'd be no weight to the movie. It's just it's it it doesn't work. Yeah, it's it was that's the and that's the problem. There's it the story was necessary for this to be two. It it forced this to be two parts, yeah. and it needed to be because there's such a distinction in the book that things change towards the end of the book where most of the book is them finding these horcruxes going on this journey and then those last few chapters it's much like the movie it is them just like running through running to the end where you are just like fast paced you're getting things done you're taking on Voldemort like here we go if that was the movie it would be a mess there needs to be that distinction because the story forces it now that said this was kind of the first (laughs) young adult book series to do yeah. a part one part two yep. and while we are in agreement that this was deserved and it sh- and it needed to be yes. two parts the implications that this had yes. for every other young adult series <laughs> after this yeah. is insane yes. because it felt like every single one after this part one part two part one part two twilight breaking dawn part one part two hunger games mockingjay Part one, part two. Divergent, Divergent, whatever they were doing. Allegiant, part one, and... uh, It wasn't... So they they didn't call it part one. I know they didn't. I'm just calling it for the sake of this. Allegiant, part two. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where you're like, this is insane. They tried to sneak the part one. They tried to sneak it. But like, it's one of those things where the implications on kind of the movie industry for specifically young adult novels became, we have to do a two-part finale. Because I think... Because Harry Potter did it, and it was successful. Because like... Clearly, there's a benefit when you do two parts, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get you get more money, right? You you basically you get more money. Yes, your box office is basically going to be whatever. Say if say if Harry Potter came out and Deathly Hallows would have made I don't know, let's just say nine hundred million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know that the first one's going to make nine hundred million dollars, and the second one's probably going to make roughly around nine hundred million dollars, right? Because the people who saw part one are going to come back to see part two because they want the story. They want the finale. so they so they they doubled their their price. They would have got. They doubled their box office. They would have got it for one movie, for two. Right. And people are like, "Oh, it's just a ploy to get a bigger box office. It's just a ploy to get more money." I don't believe that Harry Potter made that decision based off of a box office. No. I believe from the talent that is involved, whether it's David Heyman, producer, whether it's Steve Close, writer, David Yates, you know, director, yeah. J.K. Rowling herself, everybody at Warner Brothers who really seemed to put love and care into these movies, yes. seemed like they wanted to make the best movie as possible because they could have made Goblet of Fire Part 1, Part 2, mm-hmm. or The Phoenix Part 1, Part 2, uh, Half-Blood Prince Part 1, Part 2, right. and they didn't. Nope. I think they wanted to give a satisfying conclusion that worked, that paid off the story in the book. Yep. And I do think that that was copied and gone, well, we have a kind of a long last book, so let's make all these other ones. So yep. I think those other ones are definitely more box office driven. And I think this this one, yeah, it's a benefit. I'm sure they were like, hey, we can make more money off of it too. Yep. That's probably a way to get the studio to sign off of it. But I do think the, the origin of the idea doesn't come from a place of selfishness yep. and making more money. It doesn't come from financial aspects. It's let's make the best movie we can make and yes. we can make a better movie in two parts. Right. And, and who knows who made that decision? 
division. I'm sure it was the team. You got some I, fun facts. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine it was the team, but it, it's just one of those things where I have to imagine, yeah, they just looked at it and said, it has to be two parts. We yeah. can't do this in one movie or else it's not going to be satisfying. The fans are going to be upset. And if you want to keep this at two and a half hours, there's no way yeah. we can put the story in two and a half hours. It's even either if that, they made it three. Even it's... if they made it three, it wouldn't work. You need two parts. Yeah. And I think it works beautifully. I really yeah. do. Because each one stands on its own in yeah. its own way. As, and obviously, we'll talk part two next week. Yeah. But I think each of them individually stand on their own in their own way. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we mentioned before that, like, obviously, every decision in Hollywood is made with the idea of how can we make money? Yes. Like, I understand that. So clearly, that was the that was the motivation. Yes. But I'm just, I don't think that that was the only reason why why they, they came to that conclusion. No. Not the, only thing, but the only motivation behind that. So I'm I'm really stand by it. And I, I think it was the right move. I know it was very controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that did lead to people's complaints about the movie. I mm-hmm. think critics, I think audiences were very mixed on the feeling of, I'm only getting half a movie. Why, you know, why why I'm not getting a complete story. You know, you're just trying to get money out of me. And I think that did play into, you know, when we get into, you know, like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. I think that did play into it a little bit. Sure. But I think it has made for, I think retroactively, people, people can go back. back and go, wow, that it's a better story now. Right. Because of what they were able to do in two parts. Now that we've seen it, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Do you want to just jump into the movie? I want to dive right in. All right. Well... I want to pitch my tent and get going. <laughs> We're going to be talking camping. We're, I, I think I'm going to have a whole section, maybe during the uh, fun Do you have facts, a camping section? I, I think we're going to make a camping oh, section. Oh, yes. Because I obviously that's the other complaint that people got is, is this movie's kind of... I, I know... You know what? Before we even dive in, tell everyone what you hate. The, the, your, your least liked criticism well, of this movie... Tell everyone what you think. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people do it. I know our friend uh, John, friend of the show. He was mm-hmm. on. He was on our show. He's on the Matrix sure. episodes. And this is nothing against him, but I know he is. When we, I watched this with him. He saw it in theaters together. Uh-huh. And he was like, "It's a lot of camping." Yeah. And people kind of call it like, "Oh, it's Harry Potter goes camping." Harry Potter <laughs> the camping movie, right? right? Right. And I've seen that a lot over the years. Like, it's just the movie that they go camping. It's just the movie they go camping. And I found that very frustrating because I don't think it's that much camping. Right. And the camping that is there is very important to the story to the characters to the development and everything like that they also so, don't camp till like an hour into this movie I have time codes I <laughs> yeah. have book information like I've f- I've dove deep yeah on the camping so when we go into our, our, our we'll do casting we'll do fun facts we'll do differences between the books and the stories and we'll have camping time fantastic <laughs> okay Get ready, people. Camping um, time. Coming your way. But uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Mm-hmm. Just Part 1. Uh, release date, November 19th, 2010. Yep. Makes sense. I, I saw this in theaters. I remember seeing this in theaters. I did too. Uh, Thanksgiving break. I was in college. Yep. Really big uh, deal. You know, really just kind of <gasps> Huge. massive. Yeah. Huge. Again, we say it every week. Mania. Yeah. 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 But again, I think that the, the hype was a little bit down because it was only Part 1. I think people kind of, you know, were a little hesitant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I think there was there there was that hesitation, but yeah. um, still, people want to go see the yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, uh, directed by David Yates. Back again. David Yates um, is back. The only person we'll be talking about <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> moving forward. We, we were rough on David Yates for Order of the Phoenix, and, I, and rightfully, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yes. Uh, we praised him a little bit more last week for Half Blood. So I want to give him a shout out. 
I think he does an incredible job here. I this, really think... This might be Yates' like, masterpiece. Watching this movie, because we've been saying, why is he coming back? Why is he still here? This is why he's here. Yeah. When he is on... He's on. He's on. And maybe, we've t- kind of talked, maybe it's because maybe he's more interested in like the quieter moments. Maybe he's more interested in like the muggle world. I don't know. But I, th- I think overall, he's really captured the tone and the atmosphere of this movie. And he really got some great performances, great great shots. Just overall, like he's is, made a really incredible film here, it, I think. It, it is a really great film. And... It, Again, we were hard on him in Order of the Phoenix, rightfully so. Rightfully so. And <laughs> uh, but we gave him a little more praise last week uh, for Half Blood. But I think this week, I I do just I want to give him his props this yeah. week because it is a good movie, yeah. you know. And I mean, technically I so too. And technically so, like yeah. he really executes this very very well. I think he understood what this needed to be, mm-hmm. and he captured it perfectly. I mean, the, the emotion. The tone, um, finally, that kind of gray tone picks up, finally pays off a little bit, right? Like, you feel like that darker tint finally pays yeah. off a little bit. But yeah, and I think you're right. It always has been because he has more of an interest in the muggle world yeah. than he does the wizarding world. But he, I think he allows the color when the color needs to be. Oh, for sure. Like, there are yeah. moments when they're on, like, the mountaintops and that sun's hitting yeah. and it looks really great. The, but, like, the, he has crafted a great movie here. The traveling scenes, when they're traveling around and they're walking through, like, mm-hmm. there's some really beautiful shots of, like, 100%. the scenery and... There's like little farms and stuff like that. Like yes. it really like every the characters feel worn down. Yep. And and everything just feel like you like feel they have been on a journey. Yeah. You f- you feel the weight of their journey mm-hmm. from being with them. And also you know maybe that's because you're in the tent with them for a little bit and you actually get to feel some of the pressure and right. the anxiety right. they're feeling. You know I mean you know yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there we'll get but there. Uh, but yeah. David Yates, I understand why he's still here. And, yes. and I think that they're trying to still get that out of him again. And I don't think we've seen anything like this since this. <laughs> but, uh, well, when we start Fantastic Beasts in a few <laughs> weeks, I think we'll we'll probably go back to, like, Order of the Phoenix type yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but for at least this part, and, you know, even maybe for part two next week when we get there, I, I, I do have positive things to yeah, say. Yeah, of course, of course. But written by Steve Close. Back again. Yes, he is. Uh, uh, again, the writer will probably be talking about this week and next week and then not really in Fantastic Beasts Near he the comes end. back up he yep. comes back he up come back but um, Cloves knows what he's doing man this yeah. guy knows how to write a Harry Potter movie and like in the same way this is Yates's like kind of like directorial like probably best movie he's ever done I think this is Steve Cloves like best written movie Harry Potter movie he's ever done I think that he felt like the weight off of his shoulders that like oh. he can take his time yes. and he can actually tell a good story a, a emotional emotionally heavy story mm-hmm. a character driven story like we've been talking about like yes it's Harry's story but like Ron and Hermione get just about as much time here right. we've talked about how before they've kind of been that has kind of been sacrificed in the movies right he really shines when he has the time to do what he wants to do. And yes. again, of course, are there some weird choices with the writing of like, we're just going to ignore certain things. We're just going to act <laughs> like, you know, this shard of mirror. Just know what that is. You know what I mean? Just write it into like the first scene of the Deathly Hallows. They don't fully movie. explain the wedding. I think the wedding's explained enough. I think you understand the wedding yeah, enough. Yeah, they, they kind of, they, they maneuver around certain things yeah. in, in, in the way that they have to. Yeah, you know, in the book, Harry's meeting a character again. He's already met or known for years. He just happens to be meeting character for the first time. He meets Bill Weasley for the first time. 
time. He meets Mundungus Fletcher for the first yep, time. Yep. He's like meeting yeah. people for the first time that he has already met in the books like yeah. two books back and you're like, <laughs> wait, what's going on here? Yeah, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. But he makes it work. And, and I think it feels, for the most part, it feels pretty natural. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, but budget. So from what I understand and from what I can find, this had a shared budget with part two. Oh, okay. So they made cool. these, They you know, as we're going to be talking about. They were given one budget and they... Yeah, it was, cool. used it was basically movies. one extended, like, filming. They kept filming. Yes. So when they finished part one, the next I, well, day they came in, they were like, okay, part two. Now, I think they filmed it at the exact same time. And from what I understand, I oh. think they filmed, like... Again, I don't really know, but I think I read something about, like, one day they'd film something from part one, one day they filmed something from part oh, two. Oh, okay. So it basically so, was, like... They were filming Deathly yeah. Hollows, the, and, and, and then they split. The, but they knew it was going to be a part one. The last two. shot that they ever shot in a Harry Potter film, mm-hmm. mainline Harry Potter film, is in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's Harry, Ron, and Hermione jumping out of the Ministry yes, to, I the, remember this. to the Flu yes, Network. I remember this. And that's the last shot they ever shot yep. in a Harry Potter film. So that's part one. So yep. yeah. I remember that from the 20th anniversary special because they were all kind of equating that to we're jumping into the next yeah. phase. And that was kind of how they looked at it. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so this had a $250 million budget for both films. Mm. Share with part two. So. 250 mil. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a budget. What a budget. Yeah, it's it's up there. Too bad so. it doesn't make the money back. I'm no, just kidding. Uh, of course it does. <laughs> box office, $977 million. Ooh, baby. They're so close. I, well, next week, pal. <laughs> next week. You know, we're going to be talking that number we like to talk next yes, week. Yes, we do. But um, it is surprising to me that this didn't make a billion. Because I, you would have thought, even with a part one, part two, this being the like kind of like the finale of Harry Potter, I was kind of like, I feel like both of these could make a billion. But it is why that this didn't hit that I understand why and I think it is because people were hesitant of the uh, part one label but uh, there is a piece of me inside that's like I wish it hit a billion I wish it was like a two part billion dollar finale I think some people much in the vein of like Infinity War Endgame I think some people were like I'll either wait to get the Blu-ray and watch the Blu-ray and then part two or they'll probably do a part one part two marathon right like when part two is coming out they'll re-air part one again or put it back in theaters to prepare us yeah. like it, it is unfortunate but I yeah. wish that budget was uh, but yeah, not budget at that box office it's very very impressive but I would yeah you're right I would have liked to see the billion but yeah. either way I mean Again. 33 million dollar shies yeah I know I know and <laughs> they're like it, a, they're like a before midnight away from uh <laughs> And what is it that you always say? Uh, Harry Potter and box office bomb do not go together. Harry Potter and box office bomb. That's what, yeah, that's what not, I said. No, not a no. uh, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, no, they got a bomb in there. Yeah, they got a bomb. <laughs> they got a bomb in there. Uh, but Rotten Tomato scores, uh, critics. This is certified fresh at seventy-seven percent. I did know that this was in the 70s. Yeah. I was aware of this uh, because I remember at the time, I guess Rotten Tomatoes was kind of becoming a thing. It was, no, um, it was definitely more of a thing now. It was, than, it was yeah, more it was, of a thing yeah. now, but I I remember 77% really sticking out. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. You feel like it would be a bit higher. I think it's a better movie than critics gave it credit for. Like, I would have anticipated maybe like 85. I think, again, people are going back retroactively and going, this is a better movie than right. I thought right. or than I remembered because I think critics especially were kind of insulted by the part one yeah and like yeah. the you're not giving like, me like a full how, story how dare they yeah right. they're making me wait a year because even like these critics snobs even but even <laughs> when they did like 
like a part one, part two, like like the Matrix, Matrix mm-hmm. Re- uh, Reloaded and Revolutions. Yes. They were within the same year, you know. And uh, I know the other big one, what uh, Kill Bill Volume One, Volume Two. Yep. Was that how long was that? Do you know? That was, I believe, those were also a year apart. Were they about a year? I apart? feel like it was a year apart. I could be wrong about that. It could yeah. also be six. But months I feel apart. like this was like longer than there normally is for like a part one, part two. Mm-hmm. Like we're only giving you quote unquote half the story. Yeah. I think that they complete the story here. I think the story story that they're trying to tell here i think they do complete i think yeah i think where this movie starts and where this movie ends feels like a story it's an emotional it like, journey for it the feels characters like a yeah. complete story it feels like we're now like okay we're seeing the uh the implications of what's going on here yeah. we're losing people this sets up part two really well yeah. yes it does set up part two but it is its own story there's, it is its own emotional journey there's a growth and change in yes. the three main characters like the yeah. fun because in part two there's really no time for the emotional no, no. growth stuff going no. on. Part two is the it, kind of afterward yeah. of that growth. Here are these like mature adults coming in here yeah. to take out Voldemort, right? Like that's yeah. the point of it. Uh, well, uh, audiences, audience gave this a Rotten Tomato score fresh at eighty five percent. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So, again, not th- again thrown people thrown off by the part one label. Yeah. 85 is what I want. Yeah. What do you want to get into the cast? Mm-hmm. We have a big really cast, do. my friend. Uh, star is it, is it big? Starring Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grant as Ron Weasley, and Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. I love it. I love it. That's nice and small. I like it. Obviously, there are other characters that this, pop up throughout this. This movie filled is, to the brim, but this is their movie. This is their movie. And I agree. I feel like the last couple of weeks we've been getting distracted with, you know, we got to talk about Michael Gambon and Richard Harris and, and Alan Rickman and all these people. And these, we were kind of like, oh, yeah, they're good, they're good, they're good. I wanted to talk these three. It's these three this week. I agree with you because this is their movie. And um, next week we'll get into everybody's back. Next week and, we'll get into everybody's back. You know, we got we, we, we can talk everybody. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great finale. But this week, it's these three. And would you say, like, not even just some of the best performances of, like, the Harry Potter franchise, which it is. It is their best performances of the Harry Potter franchise. Would you put this on a mantle with, like, just some of their best performances individually as actors? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think this is, a, this is a... I think I said this to you, that these three actors, they were, like, 11, 10, 11, 12 when they were cast mm-hmm. in these roles. They spent about 10 years of their lives... Mm-hmm being surrounded by, by not only the who's who of British actors, but also some of the best actors in the world, period. Yep. Very clearly, they have soaked in what they've learned. They're not just in the presence of these people. They're talking to them and getting advice from them. Absorbing. And absorbing what they've seen and how they've seen it. Like, mm-hmm. And they've talked about it in interviews and stuff that I've seen. Yep. Like Dana Radcliffe talk about conversations he's had with uh, Alan Rickman or, or Gary, Oldman. Uh, Gary Oldman, you know. They're really taking in mm-hmm. what they've learned. And now this is the movie where they're going, I'm going to show you what I've learned and what mm-hmm. I've soaked in. I'm yep. going to put that on display. Yep. And it dominates this movie. Yeah. This is the most performance-driven and character-driven movie in the Harry Potter franchise. 100%. If they don't give the best performances of the series, this movie doesn't work. I, you're 100% right. I mean, that's a great explanation. I mean, this is their best performance to date. I mean, it really is 10 years of absorbing all of British cinema's best <laughs> and like... And just taking that all in and learning lessons and really learning how to become, like, be a great actor. And all three of these actors deliver all the way across the board. I mean, every single, there isn't, I, 
I could not look at all three of them and go, oh, this one's weaker than this one. No. Like, I truly think yeah. all three of them are on the same level together throughout this entire movie, playing off each other, working off each other, unlike any other movie they've done. Yeah. And, I mean, it really is just, for all three of them, it is just tour de force performances yeah. all the now, way through. Obviously, Rupert Grint gets less screen time he because gets less screen his time, character but leaves, but... In those what moments, he does yeah. in those moments, and it, we, I, I kind of texted you that I was texting you a little bit about um, Ron, but like you made a really good point in saying that this really is like Ron's redemption story, yeah, uh, and they do a great job of it too. Yeah. I mean, you actually believe this guy is a great wizard, yeah. finally, like after years of kind of treating him as a you know, again, it's not a problem, but he's a bit uh, clownish, yeah, a bit of a. Uh, a dope, I would say. Yeah. In this one, we actually get to see, and and even in part two, we get to see him step up as a wizard. Yeah. Like he is a great wizard, and we finally see it in this movie. And I just, I think it's great. I was watching an interview, or I mean, I mentioned it before, I watched it before, but I was rewatching an interview today with Steve Close and J.K. Rowling about the whole franchise, mm-hmm. and that he mentioned, like, you know, obviously I've mentioned before that in the book, one of the criticisms that people have had is that in the book, Ron is like the person who should know the wizarding world right harry and hermione grew out of this and Mm -hmm. even as smart as hermione is she's not familiar with certain things right ron it should be ron's role to be the guide of the wizarding world and that's kind of been given to hermione Mm -hmm. and other characters throughout the movies and people kind of complained about that and i think steve clove said that in these last three movies so i guess six seven Seven, and eight or seven part one seven part two he came to understand what Ron that 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 was Ron's role and that 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 should be what he's doing and I think you can tell because we praise Rupert Grind as well in the last movie yep. in the character of Ron in, in the last movie in, right. in six that I think that the writing really helps him here that they are understanding that he isn't like yes he's funny and he's and he's bumbling and he can he can be goofy yes but when the time calls for for it, Ron will step up yes and he will do what he has to do yes and yes the character of Ron is angry and has issues we see that i mean that mm-hmm. you know that's dumbledore knows that he that's why he gave the deluminator yeah but but yeah. We're, we're seeing like the his loyalness and and his and his love for his friends and the people yes. in his life and rupert Grint finally i think has yep. the writing to back up his performance well it, it almost is like half-blood prince deathly house one deathly house two you can really kind of view as like the trilogy of ron's redemption yeah you know it's kind of like its own little trilogy uh, called Ron's Redemption, if you will. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, funny enough, we'll be starting in a few weeks. Uh, Ron's Redemption trilogy is coming soon. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it really feels like that yeah. when you watch these movies. Like, these last three movies, he has been, in my opinion, more well-written than I have seen in any of the yeah. previous movies. Yeah. And it really feels like he comes into his own. And the uh, and the only qualm I have with it is I wish this was always the case yes. all the way through. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, like, upset that it took this long to get to it. But I'm glad we finally got it in the last three movies. I wonder and if that has he, anything to do with the fact that by the time the six movies be written, they right. had all the they had the whole story, and that maybe that's another one of the issues with stewing these movies before all the books yeah. are written, and they don't know where the character is going to go and what it, and what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. Yeah, he's he is unbelievable. But even beyond Ron, I mean Hermione, yeah. Emma Watson, yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, it totally makes sense when you watch this movie why she became, like, a movie star. Like, she pretty much, I would say out of the three of them, is kind of the movie star out of all 
three of them. And like Radcliffe obviously is around. He still does movies. He does TV shows. Yeah. He's all over the place. But he he's very much stayed away from movie stars. Yeah, yeah. In a way, like he's kind of uh, as we have said, kind of the Robert Pattinson, Elijah Wood deal. He's kind of doing the indie films. He's kind of doing films. He's doing what movies. he what he wants. Right. The Weird Al biopic. The Weird Al biopic. <laughs> And then you turn around, you look at Emma Watson, and what is she doing? You know, she's Belle in Beauty and the Beast. And even then, I feel she's like in she, little, she's in Little Women. I, I feel mean, like she hasn't been in that much recently. She hasn't been in that much recently, but people like buzz about yeah. her when she is in something. Yeah. Like people care about when Emma Watson is going to be in a movie. Yeah, and that's kind of movie stardom, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's and it's always like very big projects for her. So yeah. I don't know. I just I she. I, you can clearly see why she was getting those projects when you watch this movie. Her Emma Watson and Dana Radcliffe both, but I'll focus on Emma Watson right now. Have like the the quieter moments in the movie. Mm-hmm. Ron Rupert Grant Ron has the the louder moments, right? Yes. The the I'm still here scene and I'm gonna leave and you know the kind of the, the big emotional the big emotional I'm yeah. gonna yell and I'm yeah. gonna be loud and big mm-hmm. and 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 Harry and Hermione have to have the more emotional quieter moments of like you could tell she's experiencing a lot of the same fears and issues that Ron is having yes. and they and they say that too but she's a she's more like afraid to express that and she's more, she's more dealing with it in inside mm-hmm. an inner battle yes and you she really expresses that without having to express that yes and just a little quick glimpses and obviously I know we're going to be talking about the scene in this movie that is I would imagine it's probably your favorite scene it in this is movie. Of uh, just the performance between Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, where they share that dance. Yeah. And everything you need to know about these characters, who they are, and what their relationship is, yep. and where they are in this story, is in that scene. Yes. And I'll save that scene because we'll, you know, save we'll it. talk yeah, about we'll it. We'll talk about it. But just that is a beautiful example of their skills mm-hmm. as actors. And even, I think you mentioned this too, well, that, that whole opening montage as well. Where we're seeing the three actors, well, we get like we're, we get Bill Nye real quick, but then we get <laughs> but then we get these three these three characters getting ready for their journey, yeah. and again, there's not really much dialogue spoken, but it's quiet moments. We're yeah. seeing them mentally and emotionally prepare themselves for what what's about to happen, yeah. and her having to wipe her parents' memories, and the beautiful sequence of her disappearing from the frames, and yeah. You see everything on Emma Watson's face. Yep. And she's the one you see the most in that sequence, and that's why, because she's yeah. the one that's expressing it the most, and I think is the best at expressing it the most. Yes. Like, she, so. I, I, and I would argue of the three of them, before that journey, she pretty much gives up the most. Yeah. You know, I mean... Well, Harry had nothing to give up. He, Harry had nothing to give up. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't that broken up. That the, He's going to look after the Dursleys. Yeah. He's not broken up that they have to go, though. He's yeah. Like, he's kind of like, like, hey. He's like, he's like, hey, whatever. Like, it's my... <laughs> It's my final slap in the face to you, I guess, Vernon. You know, sorry, Vernon. But um, see a big D. Yeah, see a big D. But like, even beyond that, um, like Ron doesn't really do anything. He kind of just has a few like staring out in the field moments, yeah. and you're like, okay, like he really doesn't have to like give anything up. And Harry doesn't either. But Hermione literally is obliterating her parents' yeah. memory, and you're like, man, that's rough. You yeah. know, like that's tough to her do. Her parents who really don't understand what's going on anyway, right? Because they're in the Muggle world, yeah, and have a connection of what's going on anyway, right? And, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ron, I mean, I would argue he, he's up there too because he just has such a big family and he has, he has so much at stake. Like he's putting so much oh, at no, risk. No, and I'm not, I'm not. No, no, I know you're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like in that moment what they have to yes. do. Because he, again, the Weasleys 
fight to the end with yes. them, right? So they're always there. And yes, he has a lot at stake, but like Hermione in that moment is giving gives it up. up more and than think, anybody else. While she's giving that up, I think he's just putting his everything at, at risk. Mm-hmm. But he's knowing. You can see again. I don't mean to keep going back to Rupert Grant, but it's it's a wonderful performance. You can see in, on his face the worry of like he has to physically and emotionally distance himself from his family for their safety. Right. And you can kind of see that he's kind of coming to the conclusion that I I don't fit here right, right. now. You know what I mean? Like I have to I have to separate. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Uh, but no, you're right. Like Emma Watson in that scene, like Hermione, the character sacrifices so much, and Emma right. Watson portrays that. So beautiful, right? But do you want to just talk about the man, the boy. man, Harry Potter the man, himself, Harry Potter himself, Mr. Daniel Radcliffe? Radcliffe. Let's yeah. talk about this guy uh, again. I mean, it's it's an incredible performance yeah. from from the get go. He has obviously has the most to do because he mm-hmm. is Harry Potter. Yes, he nails the comedic moments when they're doing the seven Harrys thing. Yeah, yep. he like he really he, he's clearly having fun. He's with having that. a lot of fun during the seven Harrys. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he like he he nails the comedic moments, and but but when he has to like he has to have the anger, he has to have the frustration, mm-hmm. and he has to again. We talked about like in the book, and in in J.K. Rowling says this in the interview I watched, where like she says that she actually felt Steve Close had a harder job to do writing the movies than than she did writing the books because if Harry's mad, she can write Harry was mad in the book, or <laughs> yeah, Harry, right, right. Harry going out frustrated. Or, you know, as she can write all of his inner thoughts right. and can have, I mean, there's literally, I you know, going into this movie, uh, I, or going into this conversation, I listened to the Deathly Hallows book on audiobook. Right. Um, and it's the first time I, it's like, first time I reread it in a long time, it's the first time I ever did one of the Harry Potter audiobooks. And it really is just pages of Harry's thoughts and emotions yes. and his feelings. What he's going through in that and moment. Right. They can't stop the movie and go, Harry's mad now. Harry's they angry they now. They can't stop like, the movie. It freeze frame and then you just hear Daniel Radcliffe's voiceover. I'm so mad. Like, it would be so awful. Daniel Radcliffe has to express that mm-hmm. on his face. Right. And with his his physical his physical motions. And, right. And he has to emote all of that. And that's extremely difficult to do. Because it's, I think, I, you know, I've gone on record before. Is, again, I'm not an actor, so who, what, what do I know? But I think it's easier for an actor to be mad or present themselves as mad or scream and do like the bigger, louder, more like chewing scenery type of scenes. Right. Whereas like it's very difficult to just show that you're upset or show that you're sad or frustrated right. or confused. And he has to do all that. And at this point, he really has mastered how to do all of that. Yes. And they don't have the luxury of Harry's thoughts being listed. You know what I mean? Yes. There's no, nobody doesn't lift a sign up and it says, Harry's sad in this moment. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it just it re- it really pays off. And 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 when they go to, I think I guess his big thing is when they go to Godric's Hollow. Yes, and he, absolutely. And he's in the presence of his parents mm-hmm. and 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 his parents' memory and their legacy. And mm-hmm. I like how they handled it in the movie. I think more than I even like how they did it in the book. Where yes. So she, is it, if I remember correctly, Hermione's like looking at the you know the graveyard, and then she just looks up at Harry's by his gra- his parents' graves. Right? Is that how it is? Yes, I believe um, so. And I think in the book, I think in the book, she finds it and calls him over. And I like yes. that he just kind of doesn't say anything. Faison doesn't say anything, and he's just staring at it. Yes. He knows, like you feel that emotional weight. Uh, this is it was his home. You know, this yeah. was this was where he was born, where he, where he was loved, where mm-hmm. he was taken care of. He hasn't been there since then. Since then, I mean, he has no really memory of yeah. it either because he was a 
baby. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it is a really heavy moment to go back to Godric's Hollow and be like, oh, this is where everything happened. This is where it began right here. It's a really heavy emotional moment in that time. Yeah. And he just delivers so well. Yeah. It is, I mean, this whole movie, it's a testament to Radcliffe's talent and yeah. where he goes as an actor after this, where he says, no more big budget films. Yeah. I'm doing whatever I want. Yeah. And he can because we see in this movie that he has the talent to do it. I mean, I, I've, I've seen people online that are, that are like, and look, again, I don't, I don't know anything who am I to, to say anybody's wrong or whatever, but like, I've seen people online that are like, oh yeah, Daniel Radcliffe never really like, he never really found his momentum after the Harry Potter franchise or he never really became the movie star he was meant to be. I'm like, he didn't want to. He like yeah, I'm like, he really they're like oh he kind of fell off like, like he fell off he fell off I'm like have you watched think, his output in the last ten well, years? Well, I did the math uh, and, and I don't remember it right now, but like I counted how many movies he's done. Yeah. Since and I forgot I meant to write it down since the the last Harry yeah, Potter yeah. Deathly Hallows too seventeen yeah I mean and, he, and, he's and a working actor three seasons of a TBS show and other things and they're doing a fourth season yeah. apparently yeah they're gonna do a fourth season Miracle Workers yeah Miracle yeah. Workers and like they're still like he's still putting out like he's he's very active yeah is he is he in a, is he in a Marvel movie is he no he, because I don't think he wants to he doesn't want to do that he, like I think he is on record as saying I I don't really want to do well, those if, types of movies if they got the I mean, it's like the Pattinson thing. If the right role comes along, yeah, you know, I'm I, sure. I know the, like, the thing that's kind of haunted Radcliffe is is Wolverine. I know people, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah, and, and really... he's addressed it. And then he said, he's like, oh yeah, I've addressed it, and I made jokes about it. Now people take my jokes for granted yeah, or for yeah. serious, and they think that I'm really going to be Wolverine. And yeah, I <laughs> like, I really just don't think he has an interest in doing the big budget stuff anymore. I think he is finding more joy in um, these smaller indie movies that maybe like talented directors he's getting people's eyes on yeah. these movies like when, when Daniel, you see Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe's yes. name is attached to something like Swiss Army Man yeah you're going to go see it because yeah. you're like, oh, Radcliffe's in this. And then you're going to go see it and go, oh, wow, this is really good. And he, and it's not to say he doesn't do bigger budget movies. I mean, recently he was in that movie The Lost the City, City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. He's great in yeah. the movie. He's a lot of fun. Now You See Me Too? Now You See Me yeah. Too. I mean, which is kind of a riff on his Harry Potter stuff yeah, a little yeah. bit. With where the he, magic. With yeah. the magic. And he's very bad at it. That's the funny thing. But like... He will attach his name to kind of these indie projects yeah. to get people's eyes on it. The Weird Al movie. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not he like... Dis he likes Weird he Al. Likes, he, he likes to Weird Al. <laughs> like, he is allowed to choose whatever he yeah. wants. And I think he... I, I like a lot of his output. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's and, great. And a lot of theater. He's done a lot of theater. He's done a lot of theater, too. Like, he's just... he He's living, like, the actor's life he wants to live. Dude. Because he can. He has Harry yeah. Potter money. Like... You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want he doesn't need to be this like multi billionaire no. actor. Like he's no. fine where he's at. That's what he that's that's not how he that's not how he is. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like, not how he is. He does he does what he wants to do, mm -hmm. you know. Because I'm pretty sure that he's probably set for life. Like, you know, he's he's I don't even think, freaking bother. Dude, like, I don't even he's... think it's pretty sure. I'm one hundred percent certain he's fine. He can go to he can go to uh, Universal Studios and see a hologram of himself in the in the Harry Potter world. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> the dude's okay. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's just his performance is so good here. Yeah, um, and he delivers probably the best emotional Harry Potter stuff we yeah. see yet. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's really strong. Like it's it's been a it's been a joy to watch him mature mm -hmm. as an actor on screen. And, and you know, again, we talked about like. In Prisoner of Azkaban, where he's kind of doing the the acting with the he was our friend. 
friend. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. their friend, and he killed them. Oh, I'm gonna kill him. Like, like you know, he can see like he went from that to where he's do- to where he is now, right. and he really he really shines. You know what yes. I mean? So I mean, all three of them shine. I, I think everybody in this movie shines. You know yes. what I mean? But it's mostly it's just little interactions from people will pop up and and this and this. Mm-hmm. It, there's nobody else who really dominates the screen that much, right? In this movie, and we you know we get old characters. You know, Umbridge is back, and you know, and things like that, and <laughs> not as overused though. No, no, much nice, much better. You know, I handle it much. I mean, again, she's always been wonderful, but I think you know, the, it's not like shoved in your face. And, yeah. And we get our favorite, you know, Arthur Weasley and you Star know, Arthur like, Weasley, yeah, yeah, all this stuff, and you know, again, you know, Bill Nye is in here as yeah, Rufus gets a little role. Reese Ifans is in here as Xenophilia's Love Good. Like, yeah, yeah, there's really, you know, there's some nice John new... Hurts and some flashbacks, yeah, getting tortured. <laughs> That's good stuff. There, there's some, there's some good stuff, and, and and there's, you know, it's nice to see old faces and new faces and stuff. Right. But I really wanted to shine these three and, right. and express why I, the one of the main reasons why I love this movie is that. It really is their time to shine. Sure. Yeah, so. I agree. Well, let's get into the story, I let's guess. Let's jump into the story. So, uh, synopsis. Uh, following the death of Albus Dumbledore, the Wizarding World finds itself on the brink of war as Voldemort continues to gain ultimate power. It is up to Harry, Ron, and Hermione as they must journey on their own to hunt down Horcruxes on their path to destroy Voldemort once and for all. Along the way, their friendship is put to the test as tensions rise and doubts are formed. Things become even more complicated when Harry learns about the mysterious legend of the Deathly Hallows. Ooh! So, story. So, I mean, this is the story movie, this, right? This is the story part this of this. This is the story-driven part of this movie. Yeah. So much lore is, like, introduced. <laughs> yes. Building up of Horcruxes, of the story of the three wizards with the Elder Wand, the Invisibility Cloak, Resurrection Stone. That sequence is unbelievable. It's really good. It's, that it's is, really good. It looks so great. It looks great. It's it's awesome. It's just fantastic. Yeah, there's, a, there's just so much of that going on. It, it really does feel like... Oh, we're getting like the last bit of like lore that we need yeah. right in this movie. Like they're gonna just pack it with the little just just enough so that it preps us for the finale. Yeah. But um it's a fantastic story driven movie. The the journey these three characters are yeah. on together, the the how weighed down they feel. The, the building up of the tension and the frustration. The tension, the, it, leading to like explosions in their group. Yeah. When, I mean Ron literally leaves and it's just like this is really heavy. Well they in the book they mention like the the weight that the Horcrux puts on them and they actually yes. it actually affects them when they wear it. Yes. And, they, Which is I why think, they alternate between each and other. And I think they mention even like a ticking, and you can hear the ticking in mm-hmm. the in the movie when, when right. you're looking at somebody whoever's wearing it. You hear a ticking in the background right. with the music, and I think that that is absolutely wonderful. Like mm-hmm. just in the little you, you, it puts the audience in the perspective of the character, and you feel this little annoyance right. of like what what is that? What like, is that? Thing. Yeah. yeah, you like I said, you really do feel the frustration that these uh-huh. three are going on, and you know, just kind of like, what is Dumbledore doing? Why didn't he tell me anything? Why don't I? Know well, this anything? is. I would argue this is kind of like the movie that starts to really break down Dumbledore more yeah. into, hey, maybe he's not like this great guy we all thought yeah. he was. Like, you know, I mean, Ron has that line. He's like, Dumbledore didn't tell you anything. He's yeah. like. Aren't you angry that he didn't say, like, where to start? Like, what you should be doing, where to look? He's like, how are you not angry right now? And this is kind of the movie where we start to break him down more. Where we're like, hey, this guy isn't, like, all he was cracked up to be. He was flawed. He, uh, in a way, kind of failed quite a bit. Had secrets? Um, Had... (laughs) 
Oh, the secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, he had some secrets. Uh, but, like, it's just one of those things where, it, you know, I think it was a really smart move by Rowling to break this character down yeah. more in the books and say, hey, this guy isn't always cracked up yeah. to me. Yeah, in the book, they really go into his yeah. his lore and his background, and they yeah. really paint him as, like, you understand why he is the way he is. Yes. And, and there's a whole big thing of, you know, like, he purposely... It's not even that he didn't know. He just purposely didn't tell Harry information because he he did, he never told one person every single thing that was going on. Right. Because that's just how he was. He yes. just didn't trust people. He and didn't they, trust and, people. And he played that up. And and they really explore that more. So, and, yeah. and, you know, again, they can't do that in the middle of this movie. They can't stop no, no, the movie but, to but do they, that. But they when they can, they sprinkle it in there, enough. There, there's enough implication there that maybe you can't trust this guy as much as you do. And, you know, I mean, obviously that doesn't stop Harry from naming his child after him. <laughs> uh, you know, which is interesting. I mean, I get it. But, like, it, it is certainly... It's a weird name choice. It's a weird name choice, yeah, to kind of go with the guy who lied to you a lot. But it's fine. Uh, and, the, and the other guy who uh, emotionally and physically abused you for six years. Yes, but, uh, yes. Uh, it's a weird name choice. But I will say, <laughs> like, I, I like that they start to break down Dumbledore a little bit in this yeah. movie. They start to sprinkle that in. But even beyond that, it, it starts to become more about the three of them more than anything. Yeah. It starts to become about how, how far can we push this friend group to the fringe of yeah. breaking up before we can bring them back together. Because obviously they're going to end up together again. But how far can we push it to make it look like they might not make it through this yeah they might not make it through this journey yeah um and i think they play that up really well in yeah. this movie you, there, there is doubt that that like we, we I, i've mentioned a couple of times that the main character protective nature of mm-hmm. you know young adult books and films and or children's books and films and stuff right. that you know everybody's safe you know that there might be like one character who dies but like you know oh well this the main characters are safe because there's kind of a protective nature in them because right we're, we're not going to, to hurt them, but because we've already lost Cedric Diggory and Sirius Black and Albus Dumbledore yeah. and Mad Eye Moody, at, you know, right. in the beginning of this movie, and Hed- Hedwig, the death of Hedwig <sighs> is such an—I mean, it is that is the death of innocence yeah. in Harry Potter. It yeah. is it, that the second that Hedwig dies, Harry <laughs> is no longer a child. Man, when they blow Hedwig <laughs> out of the sky, I'm like, good lord, that still looks rough. But because we're seeing all of this, now we feel like, in the, again, if you read the books, you know they're safe, but like you're, you're kind of feeling like, wow, something really could happen to yeah. any of these characters yeah. because Rowling is ruthless. And, and, yeah, and she, it, I mean, it, she's, this, is, this is the book where she's offing characters yeah. left and right. I mean, she does not hold back, uh, specifically in this book. I mean, obviously major characters die before this, but this is the one where she's like, I'm just going to like let the pen go and yeah. I'm just gonna like kill people and it's gonna be what it is yeah. um I mean Hedwig gets blown out of the sky and that's really rough to watch because you literally see Harry like wow like yeah. he's like I can't believe that just happened like even he's in shock I actually forgot that Mad-Eye doesn't make it through nope that yeah. that original uh seven Harry's segment in the sky on the broomsticks I forgot he dies during that and I was like yeah. oh yeah because they get back to the house and then he's like oh Mad-Eye's dead and I'm like oh yeah I forgot that he also doesn't make Don't- it through that Donald Gleeson gets to announce his dad died. That's true. Yeah, yeah it is Donald Gleeson. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, I forgot that he. I love. I love that they casted. I love that they casted. You know his son, or you know Bill Weasley is you know Mad yeah. Eye Moody's son. I guess technically they have a fun relationship. <laughs> 
they seem to have a fun relationship. You know, I like that they have that uh, that relate. But it's it, it is interesting that he got to do that. But yeah, I forgot that Mad Eye doesn't make it through, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot he's really not in this movie yeah. except the beginning, and then he's gone. Yeah, it's so emotional watching. You know, knowing Mad Eye doesn't come back. It, it, it's fine, but like the Hedwig thing is is yeah. still really emotional because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like Hedwig is somewhere in every movie, just yeah. this owl. But it kind of makes sense because it's like, what is Harry going to carry Hedwig yeah, well, to the mountains? It, you know I think I, mean? like, I think she said she literally did it just because logistically it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. Like, unless somebody was watching Hedwig at the Weasley's house or something like that. But I mean, it also gives, but like, it, gives it, it away. It gives it away. Yeah. So it makes sense that Hedwig had to die. But, like, it is still pretty rough to watch it in the movie because yeah. you're like, oh, wow. Like, even Hedwig yeah. doesn't make it I out. mean, we, we can tie this into our opinions, but, but this is also the movie where we get, you know, the movie ends with this very emotional, emotional. death of Dobby well, the house elf. So I have to ask you, does Dobby's death hit you really hard? I almost feel like it is very emotional. I'm not saying it's not. But it almost feels like because Dobby was cut out of so many other movies yeah. that when it gets to this moment, I almost maybe don't feel as emotional as I should. Is it more emotional in the book? Yes. Because we've seen Dobby in two, four, five, six. Like he's in all of these books. Yes. But in this one, the last time we saw Dobby was back two movies but I ago. Think, was back in the second movie. I think it still works with the dialogue that he was given and the way that he's, they play it off yes it would be more emotionally effective if we had more time with the character because it just always is that way sure but i think that we know enough about him in the second movie that when he does come in here and he is talking about like dobby is a free elf and the way like the way that they swell the music and the way that they deliver the dialogue i think it's effective enough it's emotionally heavy in the book it's devastating yes that that is kind of something I've always struggled with this movie because in the books I found the Dobby death to be much more effective. Oh, it's it's it's, it's super so much yeah. more it's, effective it is, because you're literally re, you've literally been with this character through like you said like four or five other books before this and you just kind of feel that emotion when it gets to that moment in this movie like yes the lines are very good and there there is an emotional weight to it for sure. But I certainly don't feel as emotionally maybe invested in yeah. Dobby because I haven't seen this character since Chamber of Secrets. And then it almost kind of feels like they put him in here because they had to because yeah. it was part of that story. And he does play a uh, pretty integral part in this in, in Deathly Hollows to get them out of Malfoy Manor. Yeah. So it's like it kind of feels like we have to use him. Yeah. So we're going to kill him, obviously. But I don't know. I, I, I almost feel maybe not as emotionally invested I, in the Dobby death this time. I because it, I haven't spent enough time with this character. I think it works for the job they need him to do. But it could be more effective. I, yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying it's not yeah, emotional. Yeah, yeah. It is. But I, for me, I've always enjoyed the book. I, the, I, I've um, enjoyed the book Dobby death oh, more. Well, I... <laughs> yeah. I love, I love reading that death of Dobby. <laughs> but our, our opinions overall, like, I mean... I, I we said at the beginning of this movie, you know, at the beginning of this review or this discussion. I mean, I think this is an absolutely incredible film. Like, sure. I I really think that this movie's allowed to breathe. Yes, like that's really the big thing. Is that I I'm I'm all for you know. I mean, look, I, this on this show I've talked about pacing and I've talked about you know slowing movies down and things like that. And <laughs> I'm not usually a big fan of that, but sure. I really it found it really effective that there was room for this film to breathe. That yes. that the weight that there's a weight you you sit in the weight. And you feel the weight. Is this the most exciting Harry Potter film? No. Mm-hmm. Is this the most crowd-pleasing Harry Potter film? 
No, but it is the most, I think, effective with what it's trying to do. And I think that you have this pressure on you throughout. Mm-hmm. And it really works because they are able to slow it down because they don't have to rush through everything. Right. And you can take the time. That, that dancing scene doesn't exist if this isn't a two-part right. movie. Right, You know what I mean? And it, it, Look, and you're absolutely right. I mean, my opinion is that this is a very strong Harry Potter movie. It's one of the... It's, it's not the most exciting. It's not the most uh, access, accessible even. I mean, it's but it's not meant to be. It's no. meant to be the build-up to this epic finale we're going to get but you need this you need this room to breathe you need this movie to do the character development part of it because that's what in that final in part two we are seeing essentially three fully developed characters now ending their story yeah but this we need this movie to give us the final elements yeah of that development and each one of them go through it in their own way i mean even with ron just very quickly one thing i did want to mention is that scene where he basically faces his fears oh he has to kill the horcrux when he has to kill the horcrux that's essentially ron facing all of his fears in that moment yeah and he does it you know that's character development like you need to give ron that moment so he can grow from it ron in movie two or three couldn't do that couldn't do that but in this movie he has to sit there watch his worst fears in front of him that harry and hermione actually really love each other and that Hermione would never go for somebody like him. Yeah, that, that Harry, Harry believes that too. That his, his mom, mother wanted Harry as a son and not, not him. He yeah. has to go through that for development. That's yeah. the point of it. You know, we talked about like you know, Ron is the character whose best friend is the most famous wizard in history. Right. And you, what is that like? Yes. To be like the sidekick to the greatest, or you know, the most famous person. In the world, yes. basically, and that that does, that is going to give you anxiety, and it's going to give you, mm-hmm. f- you know, fears that like, do people like me for me, or right. is it because of my connection with this person, right. or whatever, or am I just, and, Ron, or am I just Ron, Harry's dumb friend? Yes, right. And and I think that they really do play that off. Yeah, yeah. But again, that probably doesn't happen. If this is, is, isn't he part one, part right. two? You it's probably that. very quick because that's like a five minute sequence. Yes, it's a it's, five minute sequence of of, and you have to watch it. Yeah, like you're you live in his in his fear yes. and anxiety. Yes, it's and so they're good. able to do that. So I mean, look, we we have uh, we've seen angst and we've seen anger, but we've never explored the characters so closely before. Like be able to explore their journey and their frustrations, yep. anxieties. It, it really is effective and, and of course you know I, I i can't mention the, the performances enough mm-hmm. like uh, credit to those three you know if, if they aren't yes. on the level that they're on in this movie this movie doesn't work so absolutely to me this is the best film in the harry potter franchise right. i think this is the strongest one that we've seen i think i think it does everything we need to that it needed to i think it, it, it is the most engaging delivers on everything it is meant to deliver on yes. like the highest level and even they even managed, I meant to mention this too, one little touch I, I liked, it felt very kind of Alfonso Coronish. Okay. is the kind of relationship or the personality that they give the snitch for Harry. Yeah, yeah. That it flies through, because that's not yeah. in the book. Right, he right. He just holds the snitch or he snitch sits in his pouch. Right. But every now and then, you know, the snitch kind of flies in and, yep. you know, Harry's going to the wedding like, and oh. the snitch flies in mm-hmm. or here in Malfoy Manor and somebody took, took the snitch and it flies out. I really like that there's like a personality to that. Yes. Like it's like <laughs> attached to him. Yeah, but that, 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 is, that feels like something they would do 
in Prisoner of Azkaban. Right. So I like our biggest complaint was like, where's the whimsical nature of it? And it's hard to have whimsical when you're doing a de- depressing, dark movie like this. Right. But I think that there are little touches that give that. So right. I gave this five stars. Wow. Yeah. No, I remember. I did see you do that. I did see you do that. So I, I believe I have upped my score. I have upped it to four and a half stars. Yeah. I think I had this at 3.5 before. Yeah. But again, that rating was kind of just a um, general rating from not watching it for years. And, and I kind of just went with whatever the most popular thing was. I, I but after really watching it, I'm like, it's four and a half. I can't imagine, like, like to me, I would really like seeing to see this like, in a theater again. But I don't know if, like... It's this isn't like it like an end game or, or, or part two where it's right. the most like you wanna be in a room full of people, like what do you you're not there's not really a bunch of cheer moments or or like yeah moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what are you gonna do? Like run left run left the, the, the Woo! Woo! <laughs> Ron's gone <laughs> Dubby's dead, yeah Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. yeah Dobby's dead. Dobby's dead. <laughs> like I guess the only moment you could cheer is when maybe like Dobby returns to and, save them. And from when Ron matter. comes back. And when Ron comes yeah. back. Like, there's not really, like, crowd cheer moments. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah it's fine. It yeah. works, though. So, yeah. I, I, but I, if you're if your only experience is seeing this in a theater, you know, 10 years ago or 11 yeah, years right, ago, like, right. 12 years ago, I understand why it right. was that. But I'm glad to see that you can recognize that. I think there really, I think there really is a beauty to this film. And it feels like... I think it's probably the most artistic of, of any of the yes. Harry Potter films. So, 100%. So, I mean, it, it honestly, it doesn't feel like a Harry Potter film in many ways, which right. I think is good. Like, like there, it's a it's a film first and a Harry Potter film second. Really. Yeah. Let's well, get the yeah. characters and the emotions. And I really resonated with that. And right. it kind of shows what you can do with a quote-unquote blockbuster film. Right. And I think, you know, we've been talking about the impact that the Harry Potter movies have had on filmmaking and block modern blockbusters because we it's kind of a very interesting time when you look at it it's like you know we at this point this is 2010 film so we've had an iron man and we've had incredible hulk and iron man 2 yeah but we haven't really had anything else really going going on you know uh the mcu is still kind of in development yeah there hasn't been this big like revolutionized like not every big blockbuster is making a billion dollars. We have the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, the Dark Knight. I knew there was something that was forgetting, yeah, forgetting but yeah, the Dark. Like, I think that they were starting to change, but they weren't fully changed mm-hmm. yet. And I think this kind of helped show that you can have a big epic movie, mm-hmm. but still have a weight and a gravitas to it. So, one hundred percent. Well, let's talk uniqueness. Let's do it. Uh, what stands out to you in this movie? The emotion. Movie. The emotion, number one. I mean, the emotional <laughs> weight of this movie. The emotional weight, the uh, departure from it not just... It's it's not a Hogwarts story this time. Yeah. It is a journey. It I is, really like that. I, yeah, I, it's I, not a Hog, Hogwarts is not in this movie I, once. I didn't feel... Not that it ever... Not that the other movies didn't feel this way, but this didn't feel like a claustrophobic movie. Yes. Like, I really... This movie felt very, like, big, I think, because they are on this... It's not like they're in a school and they have to go through a school. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they could go anywhere and do anything. You right. know what I mean? So... And they did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they go to a tent a lot, but, you know... Yeah, it's a lot of camping. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it is. It is a lot of camping, but we'll get, it's, well, we'll, it's strong. Okay, camping. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save for the camping section. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very intimate movie. Yeah, it's the intimate nature of very the film intimate. that stands out to me, and of course the acting. 
Uh, does this bring anything new? Emotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, I mean, seriously, it does bring, um, I think it brings also kind of a new, a new take on the friend, on the three friends together, on yeah. this friend group, where I was saying earlier, it pushes them to their limits this time. You, like you, you, you kind of like, we know when we read the book, that's not, they're obviously going to come back together, but there is that thing when you're watching this movie where there is doubt right yeah there's doubt like can they get through this and we haven't seen that in the previous six movies we haven't seen them like we've had them seen their we, they've had they, their quarrels they've had spats, they've had and, yeah. spats Spence, but like yeah. this movie is like they might not be friends after this yeah and it, i think it, that is something that's very new to the harry potter series would you follow me to a tent for a year as we search down horcruxes yes but I, 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 I know that I would need a break from you. Like, I definitely you need to go know, to the shell cottage for a little yeah, bit. Like, I, I definitely know I'd be sleeping in that pub. Like, I'd be yeah. Ron sleeping in that pub going, yeah, I was hiding from Death Eaters because I didn't even want to be around you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the fact that it, this steps away from Hogwarts. And it's also kind of in a way sets up like the Fantastic Beasts movies where, the, you know, obviously they go to Hogwarts at a few times in those movies. But mm-hmm. it's a very not Hogwartsy movie. And it's just exploring the wizarding world and exploring outside right. of that. So I right. think this is setting all that up. And obviously that wasn't the game plan, but that's what it kind of does. Right. It's a conversation. Uh, what is the best scene in this movie? Yeah, I mean, the conversation is, it's the dance scene. I want to put um, that on hold. I, I think, so I know you have, yeah, okay, so we'll put that on hold, we'll put that on hold. Yeah. Uh, we can talk other scenes. Because I, I mean, I'm just going to talk my runner-ups. Yeah. But. Well, I was, no, I was going to do that too. I I think that this is one of those movies that almost every single sequence really stands out really strongly. Like, sure. Obviously, it's not like, oh, you know, where they're sleeping in the tent. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's not that, but like you know, there. I think a lot of the, especially the major sequences, I right. think really like you know. But let me hear some of your runner-ups. Well, I already kind of mentioned one of them, but like the Ron facing his fear segment, yes. I think is really really good. I love uh, the Malfoy Manor stuff when they get put in that dungeon. And then, like, all these characters yep. just kind of yep. start wandering out of, of areas of the dungeon. And you're like, Luna's down here? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, Luna's here? And you're just like, oh, there's Ollivander. And all these people are down there. <laughs> and then they free them, obviously. Dobby gets them out of there. But um, that whole Malfoy Manor segment's really good. Because, again, it's also uh, kind of layered in those moments. You're also kind of getting very small Draco moments here and there. Where this guy's not fully invested in all this. Yeah. Like, you are getting that vibe that he, he's not... He very clearly recognizes he, Hot he Ron knew. Hermione. And he's he, like, hey, Yeah, know. he knew it was them. He yeah. knew it was them. He knew Harry was Harry. He knew that these people were exactly and who they were. But he, he didn't, didn't say anything because he's like, as much as I maybe dislike them, I don't want to watch them die. Like, <laughs> I'll throw a couple of racial like, slurs like, out, but I won't. He's like, as much as I maybe dislike these people and would never hang out with them outside of here, he's like, I mean, I don't want them dying on my way. You know, I don't want to be responsible for their deaths. He's like, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So you even get those little moments layered in with the Malfoy Manor stuff. But like, I, yeah, for those, that really works for me. Every like kind of Horcrux moment too is just yeah. great. Like even outside of the Ron one, like every little Horcrux moment they get in there really works yeah. all the way through. Uh, I mean, uh, the opening montage, I really love that opening montage oh, of yeah, the characters. Yeah. The meeting of the Death Eaters with Voldemort just hosting this just <laughs> terrifying. Like, I mean, just... it's really terrifying. <laughs> I mean, he's literally walking up and down. He's asking for wands. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you he... want... I mean, Lucius gets scared. <laughs> Lucius is like, my, my wand? My, 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 you want my wand? <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just like, oh my god! And like, you know, it ends with the, the shot of the snake, you know, yep. into the camera, like going to eat the body yep. of the teacher. Like that's crazy. Oh, um, the teacher! That's a scary image. It is. It is that's a scary image. It is. Like, and she's like, she's hanging there, Severus, but she's, like, she's literally going, "We're friends. Help me." <laughs> I mean, it's a scary it image. Yeah. Um, the Seven Harrys and that, that whole journey that mm-hmm. they go on. Um, the Will of Dumbledore, where Scrimgeour is like, he's passive aggressively giving them stuff from Dumbledore's will. Yes. And he's like, oh, the the, the sword of Godric Gryffindor, but you can't have that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the wedding. I really like the wedding. I thought the wedding. Was oh, a the lot wedding's of fun. great too. The wedding's great too. Uh, oh, I was gonna say that opening sequence when you were just mentioning that. I do really like all the broomstick stuff, but for me, it's uh, Hagrid the motorcycle stuff. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I like that stuff. The escape to London when they go to London and mm-hmm. they're in like the diner and stuff. That's really the cool. fight in the diner. Yeah, that's, that's really, really cool, cool, man. Just tossing uh, spells. <laughs> the return of Dobby when with creature like when you know uh, creature uh, brings back or comes back and Dobby's what there. A great, what a racist little elf. <laughs> yeah, but you know, obviously the book he gets more more of a redemption or whatever. But I think he gets a little one. He gets here. a little redemption. Although when Hermione's sitting there, he's like he's like fuck me, my blood, and you're like Jesus Christ. Well, he gets way much. He gets way more in the in, in the book yeah. yeah and i wish they could have gotten that in there but you know i understand sneaking the ministry is pretty good uh ron comes back you mentioned malfoy manor even the death of dobby like i think it's pretty effective mm-hmm. uh i have two picks and it, it is obviously the dance but i yes. also the the story of the three brothers that entire sequence oh, is man. really beautifully animated yes it's really good voiceover uh, by it, emma yeah, watson it's, too. it's it's very engaging and like it's just stunning Work. effects yeah. and how it's made and it's yeah it's really that that story in itself is a really great like wizarding yes. tale. It's a good like yeah. It's a good like it feels like um almost like a like a bedtime story. Yeah, like a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. it's a fairy tale for children, but like it feels very much like that. Babbity Remedy, don't you? You know. <laughs> Babbity Rabbity, nobody's <laughs> ever heard of that. But um, even like, like you're right, like how it's animated and how, but uh, the distinction with each of the brothers and what they ask for, yeah, the way death is animated too is very cool. Yeah, and it's just it's it's a really interesting. Tale. I like the the. I know that there's the. I mean, I guess it's a fan theory, but I, I think it's more or less kind of been confirmed that that the three brothers represent uh like three characters from the story that the the person who couldn't let the the brother who couldn't let go of the past love who died severus snape the brother who looking for the ultimate power you know the the ultimate one Voldemort, yes and the person who just wants to greet death as an old friend harry and I like the little just kind of representations of yeah. that. It's, it's yeah. very interesting. You, you don't pick up on it right away. And like, oh, that's really yeah. you know that, that that's really smart. It's really effective. And then death is uh, Dumbledore because he doesn't care about anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it, I guess you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, he raised that kid to slaughter. <laughs> he did. I mean, he really did. Uh, but that that dance, you know, that dance as well. Yeah. Like, so let's. I want to talk about this. Yes. This is the scene for yes. me. The song choice, excellent. Yeah. Uh, I don't a, have this. It's a Nick Cave song. It's a Nick Cave song. Yeah. Um, it's a very good song choice. It just, there's no dialogue, no no words. Yeah. And it's such a powerful dance because it just solidifies Harry and Hermione's friendship. It shows you that these characters are the closest of friends, are best friends. But for any fans that were like, are they going to be together? No. That's not what mm-hmm. they, that's 
this kind of solidifies that and says we are always going to be there for each other but there's never going to be anything but, more than that it, but it also is just this relief from this crazy journey yes. we've been having where you're watching it and you're like it's been such a heavy time and now we get kind of this moment of hope this moment of positivity in the movie here it's two people who are absolutely like just broken in the moment yes. right they don't they in the book they don't really speak to each other much after mm-hmm. ron leaves and that's right. kind of what happens it's very yeah. quiet yeah it's very quiet it's just this you know in this you you mentioned like that the hell that they are going through the journey that they've been on it has has pushed them both their breaking points they, right. got, they have nothing left but each other and it's just barely two minutes of just peace yep of just normalcy yep reaching out to each other as as just longing for just th- that time where they're not in this moment and and they're not dealing with the the, the danger and the threats and the anxiety yeah. and the fears that they're dealing with and it's just super super effective extremely effective and and they do tease a little bit like are they going to kiss because in the moment like it could be very easy for these people to just succumb to I have nobody else but this one person yeah and I could just even though even though I don't have those feelings for you yeah because and, and Hermione kind of even says it later in the movie like she's like we could just stay in these woods and just grow old together yeah and it's not a it's not a I love you or I want to marry you type of thing it's just I have nothing yeah. And and it's very easy to just be like, let's just go for it. Let's right. just let's just have this but but they realize they can't do that and they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that, yeah. And but yeah, it's 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 beautiful to watch them slowly like they feel like themselves for the first time since they went on this journey in that moment. Right. But it's very fleeting. Yeah, it's so. very fleeting. That's absolutely beautiful. Imagine if Ron walked in and they were banging like rabbits. <laughs> Guys, I made a mistake. (laughs) Just to ease that beautiful thing you just said, I figured I'd cap it off with that. Uh, No, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, That's a beautiful, beautiful thing you said, and it is it is that. That's exactly what it is. It's supposed to be that. It's so effective, and it's easily easily one of the best things David Yates has ever filmed. (laughs) I mean, easily one of the best things he's ever filmed. Have you seen The Legend of Tarzan? Uh, no, and I'm not going to. Oh, we might have to. I don't, Tarzan, uh, Tarzan's a brand. Yeah, but it's not. It's, there's different brands. I would do Disney Tarzan, but not. I don't think we can do Disney Tarzan. I don't think there's three. No, there's but not. I don't. But there's not. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out one day. We're still figuring out this. We're thing. still figuring this thing out. Uh, connectivity, connectivity. How does this fit in with the franchise? It fits in as being the uh, seventh <laughs> uh, entry in the Harry Potter. Uh, franchise uh it is part of the seventh book uh obviously we'll get two parts to that said book but um it is the seventh entry but it's also i think it just expands more on the ideas from half-blood prince even though that was a very romantic movie as we talked about last week like a very heavy romance i think there were ideas in there um like the idea of like uh ron hermione fighting quite a bit in that movie or having these feelings they're not expressing spills over into this movie in the biggest probably messiest way possible but in a good way yeah um and i think that is a very very big part of this movie so i think just that type of connectivity to me is what stands out is just this continuation of half-blood prince and saying 
here's where we're going to go now. And everything that we had in that first move in that in half blood that was messy or uncomfortable is going to come to a head here. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're right. I mean, it's continuing this. It's this build up. It's the mm-hmm. roller coaster going up. You know right. what I mean? And it's about the next movie's just going down. Right. And it's also, you know, the and I'll probably say this with part two as well, but it is a love letter, a love letter to this this series and to, and to these characters and to everything right. we've, we've seen. So is this a worthy continuation of the franchise? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's an easy question. All right. So before we get into the future of the franchise, let's talk about some casting, some fun facts, some differences between the book and the movie, and then we'll go camping. A, a brand new segment here on <laughs> Franchise Man. Camping. <laughs> Can't wait for the camping uh, stuff. I mean, you know, I have some some stuff here, but it's not too too much because you know, as they're building up, there's not really too much to really cover um, in these last couple of movies. But casting. So as I was doing my research, I keep coming kept coming across this thing with Jason Isaacs, and I saw like a lot of people were like, oh, like a lot of like IMDb trivia and things were like, oh, Jason Isaacs was wasn't going to return. He was going to refuse to come back for the movie. He was going to whatever. And I and it, I think what I picked up, it seemed like he was kind of joking because it seems... So he kind of, like, made some jokes about, like, his fear of lack of screen time for Lucius Malfoy because Mm -hmm. he's not in the sixth book because he's in jail. Like, after the fifth movie, he's in jail. So he's kind of like, well, I'm in jail. What am I going to do? So, like, he was like, oh, well, I might not even come back if, you know, if I'm not... If I don't get more screen time or whatever. Right. I don't think... Look, maybe it was. I don't think it was ever a logistical threat. Mm. But apparently when he he did have a rea- an interaction with J.K. Rowling, like in a meeting or mm-hmm. I guess he met her somewhere or whatever. I think it, was, it might have been on like a red carpet or something. And, and he was like... He uh, quote-unquote begged her... To let him to to let his character out of jail so that he could come back and, and have more screen time, and she said, "You're out, chapter one. You're out." So <laughs> and then he and go. then he immediately signed. He's like, "I'm I'm in." But it, you know, a lot of the things I read were like he refused to come back and he went to J.K. Rowling personally and begged her to make sure his character's in. Right. And, and then he, he signed the movie. And I, was like, I don't think it's that it's, they they blew it up more than it was. Yeah. He was just. It sounds like he just really wanted to come back as the character. And said, "Hey, what can you do to help yeah, me out?" And here? I think like, he, I'd really love to come back. More. And I think he, you know, I think he just he wanted to make sure that he wasn't signing on to the movie to just be in one scene. To just or stand whatever. in yeah. a jail cell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, and of course, she knew he was going to be out because mm-hmm. she, you know, the book was already done. So right, Stanislav Yanevsky, who played Victor Crumb, oh, and um, Goblet of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, sure, uh, returned for Victor Crumb for the wedding in this movie for this. Uh, to film some scenes, wow. uh, including a scene in which he apparently danced with Hermione, which made Ron a little jealous. Right. Um, this was cut from the film. He's not in the actual film, but right. he did come back. Oh, that's really and cool. film that, uh, which you know I like because it kind of shows the connection. You know, I mean, it's in the he's in the book at the wedding too, but the mm-hmm. connection that they kind of the the champions and the respect the champions kind of right. had for right. each other. Right. Reese Eifens, who I mentioned. Does play, uh, you know, is Xenophilius Lovegood in yes. this movie. He uh, stated that he never read the books, and I don't think he read the books for this either. Which seems to be a common <laughs> thread between uh, all these British but actors. He, he took the role for the chance to work with the all-star cast. Good so. for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, well, that's it's funny you mention that because I know that. So upon my research, that's apparently why a lot of people don't like Michael Gambon because he's he never. I don't think he ever said it. 
but he he didn't read the books, and you you can so kind of tell. And so I think what? it's fine. And people were kind of like, "Oh, we didn't understand the character because he never read the books." But there's there's some funny interviews where like I think it was for like Half Blood Friends where he like they're asking about like his character's motivation, and he's just kind of saying what he does in the movie. Like he's just like <laughs> he's <laughs> like, "Well, you know, I you know I pick up Harry and we go to go see Hug Slughorn and we got to get Slughorn he in." Has, and he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> he's just rambling. That's very funny. Look, I don't really care. I think he's great. Yeah, no. Again, I've I stand by it. We're gonna be talking about Gambit it's next my, week. It's my Dumbledore. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna talk about him next week. I'm excited. The character creature had to be recast because Timothy Bateson, who voiced him in Order of the Phoenix, uh-huh. uh, unfortunately did pass away. Oh, okay. Now he was voiced by Simon McBurney. You can barely tell. And actor Reggie John Page, uh, best known for his role in Bridgerton. I was gonna say, do you know who that is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, appears as an extra during the wedding. So it's pretty funny that he's hey, how cool is that? kind of here as kinda in the background. hanging out. Yeah. So some other fun facts. So, um, you know, a lot of these I kind of mentioned throughout, but parts one and two were filmed back-to-back from February 2009 to June 2010. Wow. So Lionel Wilgram, who was a studio executive for Warner Brothers, as well as a producer on the film, and was actually the person responsible for buying the Harry Potter series mm-hmm. rights for Warner Brothers. Right. Suggested splitting the film in two, with producer David Heyman actually being against the idea. Oh. Uh, but he after he, re- he re- reread the book and he talked to Steve Close, and Heyman eventually agreed. And I think Steve Close said something like, how are we supposed to do this? Close probably convinced him. Yeah. He was probably like, look. Like, like how I- are we... Like, like no... You need to look at this. He's How like, are we supposed yeah, to Yeah, he was probably like, look, if you want me to write a good story, I need two movies yeah. because I cannot do this in one. John Williams was interested in returning for the final two films, but he couldn't due to scheduling conflicts. So, disappointing, but... I wonder what he was doing at that time. I always think about, like, John Williams and just yeah. what he was doing, and I'm like... Everything. Movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true, everything. But I'm like, I wonder what movie he could have been doing. Yeah. Star Wars wasn't back yet. No, I mean, I'm sure we could find it if we looked it up, but mm. yeah, we don't, we're not that kind of show. Um, <laughs> no, we're not. This is the only Harry Potter movie without effects done by ILM, Industrial Light Magic. Ah, oh, the famous Industrial Light Magic. Yeah. Bellatrix writing mudblood on Hermione's arm was apparently a suggestion from Emma Watson and Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, so nice. they came up with that idea. Yeah. Also, also a scary scene. Yeah, was, that's a brutal that's scene. That's a brutal man. scene. I mean, you can hear her. like she, yeah. She's like screaming yeah. in the dungeon. Well, I, and you're I like, think there was but something... But then when she gets up, it's really not that bad because it's just the mudblood <laughs> yeah, on no. the arm and you're like... Oh, I thought she was like Yeah, but I think she was it's the gr- I think I I feel like she was relishing in those cuts. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, so. Yeah, you're uh, right. I think I read something somewhere that like during the entire time Helen Bonham Carter's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" <laughs> she's a very nice person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a very nice person. Um Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood, once again helped add details to her character, most notably by creating the dance between her and her father at the wedding. So nice. she came up with the idea of that dance. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I read somewhere like she was also helping the design of the Lovegood house, even though she's not in that, that, right, that right. scene, just kind of be like, oh, it should look like this, or it should be like you this. You know, I love that she just is so into that character yeah. and like is just willing to like help out. That's, that's really cool. Upon seeing the set for Hermione's bedroom, Emma Watson told the set decorators that it needed to have more books. I mean, you can't oh, really tell. I mean, yeah, you can't really tell, but, like, that room should be filled with books. You know what I mean? Like, it should it should be like a mini library. Yeah. There. The Godric's Hollow set is uh, apparently just the Hogsmeade set with some nude set dressing. Um, Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> $250 million for two movies, man. They can't spend that on that. <laughs> 
I don't know, just drag out the Hogsmeade set. <laughs> During the cafe scene, a poster for Equus can be seen in the background, which is the play that Daniel Radcliffe starred in. Yes. Uh, the infamous play. The infamous I remember when play. this happened where um, he, he shows nudity. nudity he shows he, nudity. He, well, I was, no, thinking of some, I was thinking about something else. He shows something else. But he's nude on stage. Yeah, yes. He shows his... Thanks, yeah. dog, man. Yeah. yeah, it's there. We all know. <laughs> I think it was controversial too because he was like seventeen. Yeah, you know that makes sense. I think that's well, why. Also, it was I think because because he was Harry Potter too, and people are like, oh, you know, you don't want to be uh, doing that, you know, or like the people are kind of like, oh, we shouldn't be doing that. He's a role model for kids or whatever. But do you also fun fact here? Then did you also know he started that with Anna Camp from Pitch Perfect and uh, and uh, Richard Griffiths? Yes, who plays Vernon? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Must yeah. have been fun for Richard Griffiths. <laughs> It's like I watched this kid grow up and now I'm looking at his <laughs> <laughs> You were Daniel, you really did grow. Uh, along with his roles in the film, War, uh, Warwick Davis is actually director of Willow Management, which is a agency or, or some sort of a company, some sort of, that helps short actors find work. Um, oh, nice. And he helped find the stand-ins for Dobby and Creature, as well as some of the goblins for uh, Gringotts for the second part. That's cool. So I think that's really cool. I mean, he's really all in on like the equality of like you yeah. know shorter actors and stuff like that. Of and little I think people. That, yeah. yeah, and I think that that's really um, I think it's really awesome. Yeah, so, that's cool. I love. Warwick Davis. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy, man. Do you see Willow's coming? I did. I saw this oh, yeah. Yeah. The film was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Visual Effects, mm. but it lost to Inception, and Best Art Direction, but it lost to Alice in Wonderland. So, okay, I'm okay with it losing to Inception. Alice in Wonderland, though? Um, it, when we get there one day, I guess we can talk about it, but... Fine. It's a bad movie. You and I know it. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but... Uh, yeah, well, oh well. Uh, major differences between the book and the movie. So let's talk about those. Oh my gosh, um, we're so close to camping. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I, uh, I Like I said, I did read... Uh, or listen to, I guess, the book again for this. So I just got a lot of these off the internet. In the book, after moving Harry from the Dursleys, he is actually taken to Tonks' parents' house before going to the borough. So everybody goes to a like a safe house mm-hmm. and then goes to the borough instead of people. So that way they're they're kind of distracting. Like they, they don't know where he, Harry is actually or whatever. But he just kind of, in the movies, he streamlined him just taking him to the borough. Uh, in the book, Harry is disguised at the wedding as a red-headed boy pretending to be a Weasley like cousin or whatever. Along the movie, he's just himself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this uh, is actually, a lot of this book is actually just Harry and characters in Polyjuice Potion. And true. And I, like, true. it's like, look, we're paying Dana Radcliffe millions of dollars right. to be in this movie. He's going to be in this movie. Right. We didn't really talk about the Polyjuice segment at the beginning of this. With where the, they all the Seven are... Harrys or whatever? Well, no, yeah. no, beyond the Seven Harrys, where they take the Polyjuice Potion and go into the Ministry of Magic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. whole segment where they're yeah. all like adults. That, that's very that's a unique i think that's a fun no, segment. it is but it's like it i always kind of feel a little disconnected from that because of the fact that it's it's not them it's not and them, i don't right. i mean i don't from what i could find I, look i'm not i'm not up on my british actors or whatever sure. i don't know who any of those people were i think they literally just cast pretty random i would have been i'm, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't, like that could have been a cool way to get i mean maybe it would have been distracting but it could have been a cool way to get like some cameos in but just getting like some some talent right, right. they're just not they don't even speak they don't even, they barely speak they yeah barely speak um because or no you're right yeah, they it's, don't speak it's in the their voice. own voices yeah it's, they don't speak the in their own voices. Voices. so like right. you could just get like you know somebody you know i don't know like ricky gervais or somebody like 
like that is the first person that yeah. came. Stephen Merchant, there you Steven go. Stephen Merchant, uh, or somebody you know yeah, yeah, could, yeah. could be in there and and just you know. Well, that's a great moment too because uh, with Ron's character, he's like kissing the wife. Yeah, and everybody's watching, but then the actual husband comes, comes back and writes like, that? And he's like, Marjorie, who is that? <laughs> it's just like it's really great. Yeah, yeah. it's a really great line to delivery. Um, but yeah, it, a lot of these differences is like in this scene they took care of Apologies Potion. In this scene they took. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. It's true. In the book, Lupin meets up with the trio at, at the black house uh, and begs to join them on their journey mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't happen in the book that's kind right. of a very like kind of brutal where like uh, that's where he announces that they're having a, a, ch- a child that the right. talks is pregnant they actually don't make that announcement yeah in the in the movie um, it probably would have hit harder because you're like, oh, they both die. Yeah, well, they tease it because she goes, oh, we, Hoopin and I have some news. Where? And then Mad Eye walks in and goes, talk about it later. And that's. <laughs> Brendan Gleason's really good in that opening scene. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it's all very touching. Like, yeah. He's just, he's really good in that scene. Yeah. Like, he's going like extra Mad Eye. Um, but yeah, like Harry calls out Lupin for like, you're just trying to abandon your family. You need right. to take responsibility for it. It's a kind of a brutal right, scene. Right. Yeah, so that, that happens. That's not featured. Uh, the book highlights the planning of the Ministry of Magic heist while the movie basically just goes right into the heist. That's so, fair. Yeah. I, I'm fine with it. Um, in the book, there is a tribute to the Potters at the, at the remains of their house in Godric's Hollow where members of the magical community celebrate Lily, James, and Harry. Yeah. Uh, this is not in the film. And they, yeah, it's a really kind of nice thing where like people like carve in on the the, on the um, statue or whatever or the sign like words of encouragement for Harry like wherever you are good luck and right right we support you and and Hermione's like I can't believe they wrote on this tribute and he's like no I think it's wonderful like yeah, it's yeah. awesome yeah um, it's cool the dance scene is between Harry and Hermione is only featured in the movie does not exist in the book uh, isn't that wild? And this is the scene where J.K. Rowling herself, in the interview I watched with Steve Close, said that if he, she could pick any scene that was in the movie only that should have been in the book, it would be that scene. That's and amazing. And she's like, yeah, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, that that that's perfect. Yeah. Like, she's like, I, I should have put that in there. Like, right, it's, right. It's perfect. What a stroke of genius. <laughs> in the book, when uh, Harry and Hermione visit Godric's Hollow, they use, guess what? Apologies Potion. Oh. To disguise themselves as a, as a muggle couple, older muggle couple. But in the film, Hermione states that they should have used Polyjuice Potion, but Harry refuses to because he wanted to return to his birthplace as himself. They should have just called this movie Harry Potter and the Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Polyjuice Potion Part 1. <laughs> in the book, Dean Thomas was also captured and taken to Malfoy Manor along with the the the, 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 the yeah. trio, uh, but he does not appear in the film. Um, I think there's a thing on the radio where they say Dean Thomas got away. Yeah, well, yeah, I, well, they, I watched the movie with subtitles and w- there's like some stuff in the radio like when they're listening to yeah. what's going on and there's a there's there is a a line in there where they're like oh they broke into Dean Thomas's house but Dean Thomas got away yeah and they're like oh okay there so is they kinda, a um they play with it that's in the book where like they they in the book there's a really cool scene where like while while they're camping and they're under protection and they can't be seen by anybody mm-hmm. um Dean Thomas Tonk, Tonks's dad Ted Tonks and some goblins and I, I think another wizard uh, are like right right outside and they don't know they don't know that they're right by them because right. they can't see them and they but they can hear a com- their conversation and like they mention like why they're all on the run and things like that and Dean's right. like I actually don't know if I'm half blooded but I don't my my father's not in the picture and I can't prove that you know I can't prove that I'm not you know mm-hmm. what I mean so he's like I have no idea what, you know, what I'm supposed to do so I just I went on the run and and then the, there is a scene where like the radio and they kind of hear later that they were captured or whatever right, so right. 
Um, they, it's a it's a nice like little Easter egg to get right, it in yeah, there instead sure. of putting it. It would have been cool to see him there, but like you'd have been like, why is he here? Why is yeah, he here? Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I bet that actor was a little disappointed though. Yeah, I could have gotten screen time. It pops up in part two. Yeah. In the book, Hermione brings the portrait of Phineas Black, who is uh, obviously a relative of Sirius Black yes, yes, and yes. a former headmaster of Hogwarts. She brings that with them on their journey to give them updates from Hogwarts because right. when the portrait has different portraits they can go from one to the other so they're kind of like he went from the portrait there to hogwarts to give him updates and he also is giving snape updates Mm -hmm. about them we find out in the second movie or just later in the book i guess right right you know so not in the movie he's not in the movie but later (laughs) later in the book you know right right. that he's actually using is reversed they're using it to keep tracks on them and where they are right that's how he found out where to put the dough and stuff like that so cool you ready to go camping? I want to go camping, man. So my biggest complaint about this movie, or, or that pe- my biggest complaint that people have had about this movie... I want to be very clear, too. Is... This section is really for you, <laughs> and not for anybody. Like, this is really for yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's just, this is my venting time. Um, l- welcome to Ryan's Rants. Um, uh, yeah, I... Uh, so I've heard a lot of people, this is the camping movie, Harry Potter uh, and the camping, and whatever, whatever. Sure. I have always divided. I don't think that there's that much camping really technically in here, and the mm-hmm. camping that we do have is very important. The sure. camping that is in here, and and there's a decent amount of camping, but they people act like the camping's not in the book. Like, oh, the movie's just camping. It so is the book, right? Right. <laughs> like, right. like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what do you want? Like, yeah. what do you want? You know? So I did. I did some math. Uh-huh. I crunched you some did. numbers. You sure did. Um. So let's talk about the book, my uh-huh. friend. So in the book. They enter the woods on page 268. Mm-hmm. So that's after they escape the ministry. They hit the woods, right. page 268. Okay. They're in the woods camping Wow. from 268 until they go to Godric's Hollow on page 322. So I stopped counting there because they're not camping anymore. Wow. They're done camping. Okay. Right? You counted the book, too. Yeah. They're wow. in Godric's Hollow on the, in, in the book. Uh, from 322, and they go back to the woods at 346. Mm-hmm. Page 346, right? Uh, they leave the woods to go to the, to Love Goods. Okay. At 390, page 396. Okay. Okay. They go. They leave Love Goods to go back camping at page 424. Okay. Uh, and then Snatchers arrive and take them away to Malfoy Manor at page 445. Right. Which means there is a total of about 125 pages of camping in the book. Which is not that much. It's not that much, but it's it's more... Because so, what they kind of say, too, is... Again, I'm not a screenwriter or whatever, but what I've heard is that in screenwriting, mm-hmm. like one page of a script is a, essentially one minute. So if you have right. 120 pages, you have 120 minute right, right. Book, uh, a movie, right? Uh-huh. So that would be 120... That That is a movie in itself of camping, right? Wow. The movie... They enter the woods at one hour and three minutes. Yes. Yes, they do. They arrive at Godric's Hollow at one hour and 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's only 21 minutes okay, yes. of camping there. So far, 21 uh, minutes of They camping. go back in the woods at one hour and 32 minutes. Okay. They go to Love Goods at a, right around an hour 48. Technically like an hour for, 47 and some change, mm-hmm. but it's an hour 48 minutes. They leave Love Goods at an hour 57. Mm-hmm. And they're taken to Malfoy Manor at two hours and one minute. This means there's a total of about 41 minutes of camping in the movie. Which is a lot. But it's not even half it's, the movie. It's not even half the movie. That's not even half the movie. You're so, right. No, it's not. It's it's really not that much when you really break it down. I'm really glad we did this section. We cleared this up. <laughs> now everyone can sleep well tonight knowing... It's not 
Harry Potter goes camping. Now we all and know. The, and that's 41 minutes of character growth <laughs> and interactions and, and change. Stuff. You need the camping in this movie, man. Yeah. You need it. I agree. I agree. Look, I'm glad you crunched those numbers. We made, you know, here at Franchise Me, we give you this stuff. You know, we give you the numbers. And, uh, and, and that doesn't include, like... Like part of the camping in the in the book and and um is like they're they're technically camping when Harry reads a Harry reads uh, a book uh he reads the book about Dumbledore he reads the Rita Skeeter book about Dumbledore mm-hmm. in the book and we and we're basically reading everything out of that I still that's still counted in the pages in the, in the camping section because he's camping while doing that so I still counted that same thing with like mm-hmm. there's a couple sequences of while they're camping Harry has daydreams or nightmares of what's going on in Voldemort's head and I still counted that as well because technically they're camping when that happens so yeah so I, I think you crunched these numbers properly <laughs> uh, correctly and uh, everyone you know can honestly just suck it um, you know I don't want to hear <laughs> that this is Harry Potter yeah. and the camping it's, it's hollows not, yeah, or whatever it's, anymore I think it was just called harry potter their camping i believe is what it was called uh so yeah it's no longer that so congratulations ryan you've cleared up the mystery of our lifetime we can die happy thank you, you know? thank you well we're done i mean we're, we're done. done the show we we're done, we're done. i mean franchise me is over yeah like. we're done no cartoon next week we will not be finishing this franchise uh but no it's future of the franchise yes. this is our favorite part for the harry potter <laughs> i don't know i think uh, we should add camping every week now <laughs> I think we should crunch the numbers on how much camping. If is there's another movie they go camping in. No, I think we should just going. do it for every movie now. I think like what if there's no camping? Like <laughs> they don't camp. But that's the point. I think you should just have a camping section and, ever, go, and go. Fantastic Beasts of Where to Find Them. Zero camping now. Do you ever see that somebody? Um, I think it somebody did like somebody rated the Marvel Cinematic Universe based mm. on on how much trains are in the movie. <laughs> Is that based off of Spider-Man 2? No, uh, no, it's it's just like MCU and I guess the guy like trains and he was like, oh. he like went through and he's like, there's no trains in this movie, zero stars. <laughs> and he loved Captain Marvel. He's oh. like, train fight scene. <laughs> That's amazing. If you did that and you're listening to this, yeah. Right yeah, in, yeah. give me credit. I don't, Dude, I don't have the source that's, enough, but that's, yeah. that's really incredible. Good for that guy, man. Probably a big fan of uh, Shang-Chi, the very beginning of it. Or <laughs> yeah. no, that's a bus. That's a bus, not a train. It's not a train. That's not a train. You're right. Uh, future of the franchise. Should there have been a sequel to this? Yes. What if they just ended it here? What if they just stopped? What if we got uh, Divergent Allegiant? Allegiant? <laughs> what do you want to see in the future? I want to see Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2. <laughs> Yes, finish the story, right? Finish the story, please. What franchise star would you add to this franchise? I'm running out of people, man. I have uh, one, and we mentioned them before, okay. uh, but, but we talked about not as Dumbledore. I understand why he didn't want to be Albus Dumbledore, but is we Ian? have another Dumbledore. Why not Ian McKellen as Aberforth Dumbledore? Yeah, that would have been a better role. I think you're right. He could have been Aberforth. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good idea. That's a very good idea. It would, it's a great way to honor the, the, like the casting yeah, you know, and it's a, it's a small role. Yeah, and, you know, is he in part one? I thought he was part two. No, no, but I'm thinking for the oh next, for, for the, the next, next movie. movie. Okay, yeah. have I have I said the name uh, Cillian Murphy yet? I feel I like I haven't. I don't think so. No, that's what I'm going. Well, there with. There we go. Great actor. There you go. He's in. Um, an Irish wizard. Sure. <laughs> Seamus is dead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's Seamus' dad. He's pota- he's potato Finnegan. Oh no! Come on, as an Irish man, I am I am offended. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm just kidding. No, you see me as a sack of potatoes. <laughs> 
Let's rank these films. Let's do it. This is going to be uh, fun. You know, I mean, look, look, I, I feel like I've... No, I think I know where I want to put I, this. I feel and like... I'm, it, I'm willing to move things. I feel week. like I've always been very flexible, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna be fighting too too much. No, no, this, no. But, I'm, I'm okay with... Again, these aren't set in stone. This is uh, this is seven. Yes. This is three of seven movies. Yeah. So let's start <laughs> at, at number seven. Number seven. Order of the Phoenix. Yes. yes <laughs> Believe it or seven. not. <laughs> Uh, number six. Chamber of Secrets. Number five. Philosopher's Stone. Uh, number four. Goblet of Fire. Okay. Do you want to keep... Well, I know we've been talking about Goblet of Fire versus Half-Blood Prince. I know I... I mean, really, I mean, these top four for me are all really, like, top tier yeah. Harry Potter If you want to switch them this week, we can. Uh, yeah, you want to... So sure. let's make a number four, uh... Half-Blood Prince. There you go. So number three... Goblet of Fire. Number two... I'm okay with it. You can do it. No, 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 no. Well, you know what, man? This is your week. Prisoner of Azkaban. All right. Well, you know, because we're always flip-flopping and no, nothing such your week. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban's number uh, two this So week. which means number one... Deathly Hollows Part One. There you go. There you go, buddy. Right. See, I can. I, you, you know, you work but, with me every now and again, so I feel like it's it's well, only look, fair. And this, this isn't set. Nothing set in stone. We and have that's another why, movie, and that's why I'm okay with it yeah. because nothing is set in stone. Because <laughs> it ain't gonna f- it's, stay. <laughs> For this week alone, it's going to stay there, and I'm fine with it. All right. Well, my friend, do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? Anything else you want to add about this movie? Um, I really enjoyed this movie so much more than I thought I was going to. I really liked it. It's a really, really uh, good build-up to this final movie we're about to do next week. You know, it's also just making me think, too. I can't believe we're almost done Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, we're really close to finishing Harry Potter and moving into Fantastic Beasts, and... It, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I, I've I've had a couple scoffs myself where I'm like I'm like oh crimes crimes of Grindelwald. That's gonna be a tough watch. I'm just glad that we are doing these movies. I'm excited for the finale next week. I'm excited for the retrospective after that. So yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. I don't know. I was just thinking about that recently where I was like, man, we're almost done Harry Potter. Like. Yeah. You know, our Wizarding World summer is really moving here. Yeah. You know, it's really like chugging along. Yeah. So, it, it, I, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. But yeah, it does. It does feel like we were just you know, like last week we were talking about Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone, Stone, right? Yeah. And now here we are talking Deathly Hollows Part One, and we're yeah. like going into the finale next week, and it's like, wow, this is really we're really chugging along. But yeah. regardless, I, I I'm really glad I rewatched this movie because I, I think I have more of an affinity now for it yeah. than I did before. And like I think a lot of that was just from your argument kind of seeping for a while yeah. and being able well, to watch it with those eyes I, think, I, I enjoyed like it. I said I think now that the story is complete I think people look back at this a little bit more like in a more fonder manner you know mm-hmm. what I mean so yeah absolutely alright well that's going to bring us to the end of the episode thank you everybody for listening thank you to Tony and we appreciate everybody for all their support you can find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts and more you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FranchiseMePod you can see all of our rankings on Letterboxd just franchise me it's just one word and you can send us an email franchisemepod at gmail.com give us a rating or review on apple podcast give us your feedback so we can get better each week also check out our bonus series a year in franchises where each episode we break down all the franchise movies in a year don't forget to check out our website franchisemepodcast.com where you can see all of our episodes make sure you come back next week as we go face to face with Baltimore and try to survive the battle at hogwarts as we discuss harry potter and the deathly hallows Part 2.